From the Spec Network, this is Fragmented, an Android developer podcast where we talk about building good software and becoming better developers. I'm Don Felker. And I'm Kaushik Gopal. Welcome to the show. This episode of Fragmented is brought to you by educative.io. Now, there are a lot of websites out there that help you teach programming courses, but one thing most of them tend to do is focus on video, so they're all video-based. Educative.io takes a very different approach. Uh, to them, they go the text-based route. That means you don't necessarily have to like scrub back and forth to follow along, say, you know, you're going through a video and someone just blows past a certain section and then you're going back wait 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 what did they say exactly and you rewind then open up a notepad to take notes you don't have to do any of that with educative.io because it's text-based think of it as like almost reading a book if you're reading a book it's pretty easy to skim back uh, or double back and just easily skim through in addition to a, a whole bunch of amazing courses out there here's the kicker if you're an android developer they just launched a killer android course called modern android app development it's perfect just go back refresh your memory and go through the educative course it has a fully functional live android emulator so you can actually create and deploy your app right from within the course you'll get a live link to the app that you can share with friends or even you know put up on your portfolio if you start looking for jobs Check it out now and get an additional 10% off your purchase if you go through this special link, educative.io slash fragmented. Once again, that's educative.io, E-D-U-C-A-T-I-V-E, in case you didn't catch the spelling, educative.io slash fragmented. Thanks again for sponsoring this show, Educative. All right, so I didn't, I didn't even want to like... I don't even want to do like an intro. Like I'm literally starting right now. Like <laughs> because like this whole world is like just screwed right now. <laughs> like like everything is upside down. Like everybody's like having to work remotely. Like um So what's new with you, Don? <laughs> holy cow. Oh like, my god. Like everybody now sees what it's like to work remotely. Like you're this is forced. That's like one of the positive things that have come out of this whole thing, right? People yeah. are like, oh, you want to try a remote? Like, yeah, we will force this down whether you like it or like, not. It is happening. Do it now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's a good question that I'd like to have for you. So I've been remote for over a decade now. To uh, And I, I'm going to tell you right now, mm-hmm. I, I had this discussion with a friend of mine, Will, uh, the last couple of days ago. And I told him, I was like, I was like dude, I have to... I have to like kind of like admit something to you. And he goes, well, what, what's that? And I said, dude, I feel kind of guilty. And he, and he goes, he goes, why, why do you feel guilty? Cause he, he work he works remotely too. And he goes, he goes, why do you feel guilty? And I said, well, dude, like, um, not much of my life feels different. <laughs> and he just started and he, and he just kind of chuckles a little bit. He goes, dude, me either. He's like, I feel the same way. And so here's the thing is like him and I have both worked remotely for, I mean, He's been like five years, I think at least I've been over 10. And what I'm trying to say is like, I'm not dismissing the terrible crap that's going on in this world. Like, um, but to me, there's been many months or even years where I have just worked at home 
and I haven't left my house and I have been like self quarantined before a quarantine went around or before a lockdown went around. And so like, to me, it was like, uh, for example, the other day I wanted to go barbecue, I start the barbecue in my backyard. And I was like, Oh yeah, start the barbecue. And I'm like, Oh, it's really quiet. I don't hear any cars right now. I'm like, Oh yeah, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm like, and I kind of got that gr- the weird grimace face, like, Ooh, God, this is terrible. And I feel guilty about that. Um, and so it's kind of like why I wanted to talk to you a little bit about today is to see what your experience was and like kind of how I can, given my experience of what I've dealt with in the last 10 years, how maybe I can provide some value to some people with that experience to help them get through these times because working remotely is not just working at home in your sweatpants. Like to, the, <laughs> to be honest, it's a, it's a 100% mental game and I want to see how you felt about it. Oh my God, Don. <laughs> The first thought that came to me when all this is, I was like, wow, so this is what Don's life is like Mm 24-7. I will say this, the TLDR, I feel, is there are aspects that work really well that I feel this is like game-changing, right? I don't... I, I've saved so much time uh, on my commute. Oh, God. I typically... My commute is... And my commute... I, I live in the Bay Area. My commute is not that terrible it isn't that bad at all it's about 35 minutes Mm -hmm. but it's so crazy because you don't necessarily allocate the amount of time it takes for you to get ready to leave if you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying right because when you do the math in your head typically you tend to say okay it's half an hour one way so it's half an hour half an hour one hour oh i lose an hour day not you know not a big deal i can listen to some podcasts but it doesn't stop there and it's so funny because i only realized this now that there is like you know there's like getting ready getting ready to shower i mean i am obviously taking my regular showers now <laughs> so I hope so all that is like <laughs> uh, all that is going fine but it's the, just the mental preparedness to actually go in like you enter the office you say your highs hellos to people like around you you go you know grab like a bottle of water it's so funny how all those little things add up and you actually land yeah. up losing quite some time, right? Yeah. So I've actually gained a lot of time and it isn't like my productivity at work has gone down in any way. If anything, you know, uh, given like the whole thing. And like you said, I obviously want to acknowledge the fact that there is, you know, like a pandemic going on and a lot of people have a very difficult time. At work, it's been a little crazy for me because I work in Instacart, right? And like the delivery, grocery delivery has been oh, going insane, goodness. right? So work has actually gone like 2x for me, but I don't necessarily feel less productive having like, you know, working from home. And that's why, you know, I started this whole thing saying, I was like, wow, so this is how like Don feels like, you know, this is the secret. (laughs) Yes. It's like, it's almost like a mini superpower because I think you described the, what I've felt the last 10 plus years, I mean, very succinctly is like, you don't anticipate the amount of time it takes to prepare. Like you, there's a routine that we all will go through when we go to our day-to-day jobs. It's like, all right, I got to wake up. I need to make sure I feed the dogs. If you have animals, I I take a shower. I got to get ready. I get my lunch ready. I got to walk out the door. I got to make it to the, to the train, the bus, to public transit, or I drive. And then I count my time. You know, it's not that half an hour before. And when you work from home and everyone's experiencing this now, it's like, oh, like, okay, well, now the uh, my office is right there. I can point to it. Mm. And I can literally hop out of bed and walk over and sit at my desk. That is a blessing and a curse all in the same sentence. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I do. I mean, but like you said, I, did, I do have a couple of questions because you've been doing this for some time. You're a pro at this, right? Mm-hmm. I am very new to this. I've, for the 
better part of like almost my entire life i've always been working like at I've, i've never had like a work from home situation i've always gone into work yeah obviously i've i have a lot of flexibility so if i do want to work from home on a few days i would but clearly that you know i've i'm not geared up or at least i wasn't before this to work from home so i have a lot, of, a lot of questions not just in terms of like the setup which i also do like you know in terms of like your setup but also just like you know the mental game thing you mentioned that mm-hmm. i think is like the biggest sort of change yeah f- that i think most people will experience and i had a, a couple of questions i wanted to ask uh, around that yeah i mean let's i mean we can definitely hop right into it because i feel that if you don't <sighs> it's re- here's the thing it's really hard to separate work life from home life when they're both in the same physical area you said you know we have our routines up and i want to clear you still should have a routine i'm guessing oh God, right? yeah. it's just that the routine changes because the first few days when like this whole pandemic situation was going and like half the time we didn't know what was going i didn't really set it up i was like oh well i don't think it's wise to go into this so i'll just like start working from home i'll continue working from home yeah and what i realized is a day four or day five it got really tricky for me because at that point not having that sense of like routine or like that regularity and it was really hard because i couldn't clearly understand what was wrong because i was like i'm here i'm working my computer is on i'm typing i have the work i know the work that i have to do mm-hmm. but what is it it isn't that drive that i'm able to get and th- can you tell me like how have you man like what is your routine like what do you you do because you clearly do have a very explicit routine right you get up you have your things to do in the morning whether it's like your coffee routine or like your workout your gym like talk to me about that because clearly i feel as that's something i've realized as i've tried to get into a better routine things have improved but i'm missing something and i want to like understand what that is what you have learned from this yeah for sure so i'm going to preface this uh, with kind of this long drawn explanation i'm going to have with this this pandemic has changed the face of everyone's work even people that have worked from home for a long period of time like i have mm-hmm. this has even changed my way of working and so a lot of people might think that all right well you know don or or so and so that you know that works from home has got this figured out sort of we have experience and we can lean on that experience but it's even changed us and the let me explain why the, for a lot of us who have children like i do i have two small children that are in middle school and elementary school they're not in school anymore and so um half the time they're with me half the time they're with their mom um and when that happens when they're with me like there's there's homeschool and you know what they call it virtual telecommuting teleschool right, whatever right. they call it um And so traditionally prior to this happening um my schedule was was kind of very regimented I would wake up at 4:30 to 5 in the morning I would work from you know, I I'd kind of journal meditate I would work until 7:30 in the morning I would go to the gym till about 9 or 10 then I would work until 5 or 6 and then I'd just do regular family stuff at that point in time and that was been my schedule for many years now um mm. however when this came around um everything kind of got flipped on its head because i couldn't work those normal hours anymore cuz half the time i'm schooling my children and so for me um what i realized is like the the discipline of of time constraints and and scheduling for me is what really mattered um and what i mean by that is like maybe i couldn't work from uh 9 to noon or 1 p.m. anymore and the reason why is because my children are were homeschooling that time and for example we do homeschooling from 8:30 in the morning 
till about 12:30, 1:30 in the afternoon. And that's usually when they get there. They're usually done within that time frame, and then they can kind of go outside or play on the iPad or whatever. Um, so what I have learned to do is for me to be able to get in a full eight hours of work, I now get up at four in the morning. I get up even earlier. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so I get up at four in the morning and then I work from four to about seven, seven thirty when they get up. So I get about three and a half hours of like really solid work done. And like, it's undisturbed, highly focused, a mega productive. Uh, and then I take a, sh- I, for me, uh, it's about scheduling, about being on the same routine. And you ask like, what's your routine? And so for me, and this is going to be different for everybody. Like you got to find something that works for you. Uh, and you're, you're going to have to adjust it. Like I'm, I'm realizing certain things are going to work and not work. For example, every day I try to take a shower at eight o'clock in the morning. I might be in the middle of coding and my kids might be awake. We don't start school till 830. I got extra time. But I tell myself, Don, you got to take a shower at 8.30. The reason is because this is a this is something that you can control. And in a situation like a pandemic like this, where you can't control if you go to your office, you can't control if you can go to uh, the park or whatever, because these things are closed, you have to rely on certain things in your life that you can control. And so what are those things you control? I can control when I wake up. I can control when I take a shower. I can control when I start work. I can control when I stop work. I can control when I eat lunch and dinner and when I exercise. When you start exhibiting discipline around these particular areas of the of things that you can control, what that does is it gives you a mental mind shift, uh, shifts your mindset of like, all right, I can control these situations. So I am in, in kind of control. Anytime you've ever, ever felt out of control, what does it give you? Like intense anxiety, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And so if there's anything you can control, you should. And in these situations, like in a pandemic like this, I I like to use the eight o'clock in the morning shower for me as an example. Like that's when I take a shower. I've never taken a shower at eight o'clock in the morning my entire life. (laughs) <laughs> but it's just right now that's the time that works for me there's just so many like valuable points that are like you know i wanted to like talk to you about yeah, there go ahead. the thing like you mentioned the routine right I, it, that's it, it isn't like you know you read like self-help books and you see a mm-hmm. lot of this where you're like you know the, the only control you have is over these small things and that's mm-hmm. important typically i would think yeah yeah that makes sense but you know it doesn't really apply to me because you know I, things are okay and that's only because i fool myself into thinking that you know most things were anyway under control but they're mm-hmm. not right now for example just a small the thing you mentioned right waking up and like taking an early shower what used to what happens now like at least in the first week for me was i used to wake up and i'm like you know what i don't have to go into work like my first meeting's only at 10 a.m yeah. typically if if it wasn't the case i would have to like oh yeah but it'll take me time to reach there so i would like get started anyway you know there was a forcing function something there was a forcing function there that forced you to get there absolutely and because that wasn't there what would happen is on one day i I would wake up at like 8, 8.30 because I was like, eh, you know what, it's fine. My first meeting's at 10. Or even when I go to sleep, I would like, you know, go to sleep a little extra late. And mm-hmm. it isn't like I'm sitting on my ass and, you know, like uh, watching TV or something. Although like I would really like that. But the idea of like, oh, you know what, I'm on this thing. I'm like coding this thing. I'm, 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 I'm almost done with this bug. I'm going to push this branch. I'm going to be done with it. I'll feel great. I just have to put in one more hour. So I sit till 11, 12. Yeah. And I may do it, but then the next day, again, you know what? I'm not able to get up early. And then it goes into this whole like sort of lull where I'm like, ah, I'll wake up at 8.30, but you know, I slept late. So it's okay. I can add like an additional half an hour. That just messed with my routine completely because I just felt- Compounds. Yeah, exactly. There was no control, right? I would wake up and I'm like, I don't know. And that was the feeling like when I, you know, prefaced this whole thing, there was something that just made me feel like I didn't have, you know, 
uh, my stuff together for lack of a better word. Yeah. And I think that's that's it. Like that control where you control the things that, you know, taking a shower, like, you know, waking up at a certain time, you know, having your coffee at a certain time. If you yeah. have to like get in report for something, just like get on it. Like, you know, if you have like other chores that you need to complete, absolutely. That I think that like idea of like controlling the little things is super valuable in like establishing that routine. The other thing you mentioned also is about kids, right? And that's the thing. I was reading this. I don't know if you saw this tweet. It's from like the Basecamp folks about, hey, their email service being delayed. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just yesterday or day before that they like added this thing saying, you know, uh, hey, because of all the things going on, like it's it it is additionally stressful for our employees. So we're not going to do it. And you know, the smart asses can say, oh well, you guys were working remote anyways, or like you know, how is it a big difference for you? Or like you know, you're just trying to like make an excuse but then it's only when i read the whole thing that i realized oh wait a minute it is different for people who are working from home it's not the same just because you're used to working from home that doesn't mean everything is mm. the same as before yeah we're in a freaking pandemic right and the things you mentioned like your kids being like at home that can just throw things off right like it is so crazy because it isn't just your kids are not used to being at home the whole day right they're not used to being cooped up i can only imagine like as adults we feel so crazy just being stuck within four walls i imagine like with kids it's not going to be like smooth sailing right like they're going to want to go out they want to got to eat like even food taking care of food taking care of all of these things oh my god it is truly i i feel people who think like you know oh this is fine this isn't that like big a deal just try to be a little more compassionate i think if you add a little more empathy to what's going around and like what uh, some of your colleagues have to go through you realize like this is a very difficult period for multiple people and this is like letting alone like the numerous people who are like under huge amounts of stress who have been let go and who have like, who are facing so much difficulty right it's it's such a crazy time i yeah so that aspect like yeah it, things are changing even for people who are working from home right yeah if you have if you're caring for children uh elderly people or maybe even if you lost your job um what i say at that point in time is is you're doing the pandemic on hard mode <laughs> right right because yeah, it's a good way to put it <laughs> the reason why the first week that the my kids school shut down i tried to go about my life like normal like all right i'm gonna do work at these times i'm gonna do, do normal stuff that immediately fell apart it was one of the most stressful weeks i've had in years and then <laughs> that friday i'm like all right i have to figure out a new normal like i have to kind of readjust and i'm like what can i do to make this change and then that's when I thought, I'm like, all right, what if I get up at four in the morning, which is ridiculous, but all right, what if I do it? Okay, then I can get these three and a half hours done and then I'll have five hours of time with my kids for school and everything else and then I won't have to worry about it. And then I'll work from 1 p.m. till 5.30 or six. And I'm like, that'll give me my eight hours. And I'm like, okay, I can make that work. And then, you know, I might work out at 5.30 outside in the backyard while the kids are playing, you know, catch or just goofing off in the backyard. I'm like, Okay. And that's what I did for the next week. And that ended up working out for me. And now I've, I'm kind of adjusting it a little bit more. All right, let me try working out at, at lunch instead. Maybe that will make me feel better. And a lot of it is actually asking yourself the questions and doing some introspection of saying, how do I feel right now? Like, all right, am I stressed out? Do I need to take a break? Do I need to go work out? Do I need to do whatever? And what the, a lot of this comes back to is, is also is like, how companies are are managing the remote culture and a lot of this is out of your control too so if your company can manage the remote culture in an autonomous fashion then you're gonna be much better off and what i mean by autonomous is like all right 
here's the task that we need to get done. Here's the deadline we need to get them done. We're going to have a daily stand up at 1030 in the morning. Other than that, let's just communicate on Slack and uh, get back to us when you can, you know, but just let's hit our deadlines. Um, if you could do that, that's great. But overall, uh, for me to answer your original question is it's just, you know, it's just about finding a schedule that works for you. And it's going to be different for everyone, depending upon your factors. Do you have kids, not have kids? When do you normally like to wake up? But if you can stick to that schedule, and that means showering at the same time, that means exercising at the same day. And here's the big one. That means stopping work at the same time every day. I was, <laughs> yeah, that I think is like the big one. That's, I want to, so a related question to that, right? When you typically tend to work, and like this is me asking the noob working from home questions, right? Do you tend to like work as though you were working like uh, at, you know, like at a company where you nine to five, this is your work mode and you just work the whole way or do you split it up saying, okay, for the next three years, I'm going to work. Then I'm going to go finish like some housework if I have to then come back and then like again punch out another three hours and then accumulate that or do you just go at it like you know in one full stretch where you're like nope nine to five i need to like be productive this is my productive time knocking out all my work everything else can wait or like you know revolve around that how do you handle that that's a fantastic question so um over the years i have kept kind of a log a mental log and actually been keeping like a physical log of my circadian rhythm uh, and it's very like biohacky uh, method way of doing it. But what I have found is that I am very productive early in the morning. And so like, that's why I like to get up early. So I'm able to really get a lot of stuff done early in the morning, but here's the key. I need three hours or more. And this goes back to the Paul Graham, which we can link in the show notes, Paul Graham essay, uh, was it maker schedule versus manager schedule? I think it's called. Yeah. So basically the synopsis, which I highly recommend everybody read this, who's an engineer and manager, um, read this article that we link. Um, but the synopsis is like, look, if you're a, a maker, which is someone creative, like an engineer, designer, whatever, you need long stretches of time where you can get something done. So we're, we're talking two and a half to four hours minimum, um, blocks of time. And if you're being interrupted every 30 minutes, you're not going to get anything done ever. Um, managers operate on the opposite schedule. They schedule their time in 30 minute increments to an hour increments and, uh, and so forth. Since I'm an engineer, I need that chunk of time. So I get that chunk of time in the morning and then I end up hitting the gym because it's just ended up what's worked for my schedule. Then at that point in time, in the early afternoon, I usually find myself handling like emails or whatever. And then the last three to four hours of the day, I'll bang out, um, all client work, projects, et cetera. And then I have a hard stop usually. And I put it as a range between 5 to 6 p.m. I put the, the stop. And then one, and the reason why there's a range is because sometimes I'll almost get done with something and I just kind of need to push through the finish line uh, or I'll kind of be in a flow and I don't want to break that flow. But 6 p.m. is definitely the hard stop. But around 5 o'clock, I start evaluating it. And the big question is like, all right, well, when do I know when to stop at 527? That's a great question. If I'm in the middle of a debugging session, say I'm trying to get a unit test working and it's breaking and I'm like, I'm Googling and I'm trying to figure something out. To me, that's an opportune time to stop because ah, then what I'll do, that's I'll, good. Yeah. I'll break in a broken, I'll break when something's broken. And that means tomorrow when I start up, I can, I'll use sometimes leave like a text note on my screen saying, all right, here's where I was at before. Here's what I was thinking. I'll just type a note up and, and the notes or text editor or VS code or whatever you use and I'll leave it active on the screen. And then tomorrow when I start my computer out or I just open the laptop or whatever, 
I'm like, oh, here's where I was at. I have a broken test. I have a broken screen or whatever. I can then hop right back into it. And a lot of times what that allows me to do too is allows the background processing of my brain to work overnight when I'm cooking dinner or when I'm taking a shower or when I'm putting the kids to bed or whatever. And I wake up in the morning, like, oh, I know how to fix that problem now. So it kind of has a, a double effect. That's one of those things, again, that I've just learned with experience because you always feel so tempted you're, you feel like the solution's at you know, mm-hmm. like the tip of your fingertips. It's you're, right you're there. almost there. It's just right there, but it doesn't pan out. And this has happened at least like 10 or 20 times where I was forced for like different reasons, right? Like as, you know, I've grown like, you know, different commitments or I, mm-hmm. I was dragged into something else. I've had to force myself. Like I don't have an option anymore. You know, I'm not like the single dude like in a basement in my man cave where I can just go <laughs> right. for the rest of my life. Right. Uh, that yep. is like no longer an option. So Oddly, I've noticed, and this is out of my control, I've had to stop. And then the next day when I come back, I was like, oh, yeah, that's how it should be done. Mm-hmm. right?" And obviously, I'm thinking about it. Like you said, like if, you know, when I'm in the shower or like if, uh, you know, I'm like driving or if I'm like taking a walk or I'm doing something else. It's so funny how the brain works where subconsciously it is yes. somehow working. And I come back and the next thing I know, I was like oh my God, that's it. it. Like this other class that's there, that's what's causing the problem. Or, you know, this technique, why didn't I think about it? Mm -hmm. You didn't think about it because your brain is like fooling you into thinking it can keep going, but it's like lacking all the oxygen or whatever it is and you need to stop, right? So Mm -hmm. fantastic point. This is again, one of those, like this is brilliant. I I love that you mentioned that point. It's so important. And this is like one of those things I hope like people can carry over, but it's not just like, the work from home thing, right? Like even if you're not working from home or, you know, you don't have the luxury of working from home anymore, call it quits at a certain time. Like it it helps you in more ways than you can imagine. And I think that the thing that I want to harp on here a lot is like, just set yourself a schedule. And that means like, if you tell yourself you're going to work out at noon every day, then you need to force yourself to work out at noon. When noon comes around, game over, you need to leave the computer. Same thing at 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. Whenever you say you're done with work, you need to be done with work at that period in time. Now, I don't care what you do with the rest of the evening. Maybe you're done working for your your regular full-time commitment at job XYZ and you want to learn, you know, go uh, on your free time. That's the time when you stop working, you're writing Android and you go learn Go. Like that's when you do that. Like if that's your hobby or maybe you want to play piano or guitar or whatever. But you got to have those hard periods of times. And like if you notice, I've been very particular about my times. I say, I wake up at four. I take a shower at eight. Sometimes I work out at nine. Sometimes I work out at, you know, at noon. I work out at four or five and I quit at six. Like these are like definite hard times. And they're there for a reason because that's just the way that it works for my life. And if I don't, if I leave it unended, and I've done this the last two days actually to test it. If I leave it unended, I'll just keep working. Yeah. And tonight, I, I like, believe that. I like believe that. 7.47 p.m., I look up, I'm like, I am still working on this piece of code. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I need to stop. I'm going to burn out. Like, and I, I have to stop myself from doing that. Right. So a couple of follow-up stuff from like the things you mentioned. Uh, one is it's, yeah, it's Maker's Schedule versus Manager's Schedule by Paul Graham. Fantastic article. I'll throw that in the show notes. You mentioned like, you know, somehow you leave empty notes uh, as a reminder for the next day when you get back and you want to start working. Now, I actually do something similar, but what I do is I actually commit it. Uh, you can, Git has this thing where you can write empty, uh, you can allow empty commit messages. So I can post a command. So what I do is I actually 
commit i i write a git commit message stating like okay this is where i'm at this is what's broken and the next day when i come i just like undo that commit or like you know I, I, sometimes i don't even care i just let the commit go and it's all it's almost like you know it's in git it's there i don't have to worry about like you know anything else i just finish it next day and return so so how do you let that sp- commit go what do you mean by that so i mean if i have uh, if i have my project in a specific state right instead of fearing that oh i don't want to commit it right now and you know or and leave a note so that my computer at work is like in the state uh where i'm where if say i'm like in the state where i need to fix certain things uh and i want to make my and i'm writing a note to myself to fix these things instead of actually writing it as a note and keeping it somewhere else i actually commit it into the code itself so i write in the git commit message i write like a note saying this is where i'm at and you know i think i tried this these are the four ideas that i have to try and see if uh, whatever one of them will work i just commit it and so that's my note uh, i commit it into the repository and if you, uh, git has this thing where you don't even need to actually have if you try to commit a change uh say you just you know like git commit and message and you don't have any change git will complain saying it doesn't see a commit but you can also add this tag called allow empty oh yes then, yeah git will just allow you to commit anything without like even there being a change so it'll just show up in your log history oh so you're kind of do you now a good question here do you push that to the remote or you just leave it in your local repository i guess this depends on what you do typically when i'm working on something i never work off of master directly so i'm working on my own branch so i i commit it and push it to my remote but i my branch on remote so i i honestly don't care because eventually also when i merge i squash merge okay squash, so, so right. a lot of that goes away so because of that it doesn't matter as much what i have in terms of individual commits but i'm i'm usually very good about my commit messages i'm not like one of those a uh, you know all my commit messages are just a the alphabet a or b or c or d or like you know j k l <laughs> uh, i'm usually good about like each step uh, just because it's more for me than it is for anyone else because when i come back if because these days i also have to like context switch a lot yeah. so i'll just put all the information i know in my branch i'll switch i'll be working on two other branches if some hot fix or something urgent comes in and then when i come back it just helps jog my memory if i go through my logs so that's one strategy that i use what for the folks that aren't familiar with what squashing is i mean i know what it is but what is squashing and and why what would it what what does it do so i mean this uh, you should definitely look at if i'm speaking out of my the best of memory basically what it does is typically when you merge your branch it'll keep every commit so if you think of a tree with like multiple branch like with mm-hmm. multiple sort of leaves it'll just point it'll like merge from that onto master if you say squash merge what it's basically doing is it merges all your commits but it just squashes them into a single commit message like smashes so them all together yeah it just like it it emulates as though it's all just a single commit and mm-hmm. you might ask well, I mean why do you want to do this it just cleans up your history sometimes like so if you're only working on master and imagine you have 20 people working right and mm-hmm. each of them have branches and they all merge when you look at the history you'll start to see a huge number of commits yeah. right but if you squash merge that what basically happens is you'll just basically see merge this branch and then inside that commit like if you actually git show that commit you will see like typically what git does is when you're squash merging it'll pick out all the single messages from your log history and and put them all in that single commit message so you can actually 
go through those uh, commit messages that the person that the author had in that. Yeah. Typically, what happens if people are not diligent about every single commit message? When they're squashing, they'll just clean up all the other stuff and leave one nicely formatted log message saying yeah. feature X or feature Y or whatever it is. Yeah. And what, there's been some companies that I've been at where it's a rule to squash uh, each of your feature branches. And the reason for that is, is uh, one of the reasons I have is like, look, each time we commit something into the master branch, that commit needs to build. And so- Ah, I, I see. Right, right, right. So if I were to run, you know, if it's Android, I need, you know, Gradle W, Assemble or whatever, it needs to be able to just finish successfully. Uh, because there's many times when as developers, we'll be developing something or like, all right, I got this little piece of code working. Uh, right. It broke the rest of the app, but this little piece is working and I don't want to screw it up. So I'm going right, right. to commit this and then I'm going to continue on and then I'll, I'll, I'll fix the other stuff as I move on. And we just the companies I've been at have said, hey, like we don't want that in our commit history, so just squash your commits. So it's all just like, ah. like you said, it's, hey, feature X is complete. That's like a very good logical reason versus just like history aesthetics, right? <laughs> One more thing. So you mentioned the time boxing thing, right? Like where you're like, if you need to be done by a certain time, if you're supposed to, you know, yeah. learn how to play the guitar or like, you know, learn Rust or Go at yeah, yeah. 7, 7 p.m., you, you stick to the schedule. For you starting out, did you actually slotted out as a I guess right now you've you're so used to this so at this point it's natural for you like when it's six automatically your brain is heading towards that okay six to seven time to close any time to close right yeah but starting out did you do anything because that's the thing I noticed like the first week of like working from home my schedule was like crazy I would just work until suddenly I realized oh my god it's like 9 30 I haven't <laughs> eaten in the last like six hours I've just been working straight uh, so do you did you time box yourself by adding like you know, calendar reminders or something along those lines? Or was it just... At this point in time, I'm used to kind of looking at the clock and being of where where my day is at. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of pay attention to it. Uh, there are times when, when it gets away from me, but um, that's rare. Uh, when I did start out and I didn't have children um, at the time, it um, that definitely got away from me. And I think it's a normal thing for most people to encounter. And if, if you... Uh, need to set a reminder or, or a daily calendar event. Say, hey, you know, in half an hour, you need to be wrapping this up. Um, that's a good idea. It just something, some visual reminder of like, oh crap, it's 5.30 already. I'm supposed to be done at six. Like, okay, I've half hour left. And this, this comes into the discipline thing. Like you have to turn this off. Right. Um, yeah. now and it's he, really hard. It's super hard. Like it's harder than you would think. Is, you know? <laughs> is, and here's why I'm telling you that you have to turn it off. Because in soft, I've been doing software long enough now where I have realized that once a quarter, there's going to be a hell week. And I think we've talked about this on, on the oh, podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the hell week is a new release, a bug, something happens in the software on average once every three months where you're in the office for 80 to 100 hours that week. Yeah. That's hell week. And you don't know when it's going to happen. It just happens. And so if you don't have a particular regular schedule going on, every week's going to turn into hell week. And so if you're every week, you're, you're just working your 40, maybe 45 hours, whatever, if you're pushing it, um, boom, you're working a regular work-life balance. And then once a quarter when that comes up and you got the 80 to 100 hour week, you're like, oh, I'm burned out you're back to normal work at that point. So it's very, you have to be very disciplined about saying, all right, I'm going to be done at 6 p.m. Go off and 
and go cook yourself dinner. Go out to dinner with your friends. I mean, not right now, but whenever all this clears up, go do your normal life stuff um, after work. Yeah, because otherwise it's just, you know, and especially if you have, you know, a significant other or whatever, like if you don't, before you know it, you're not going to be paying attention to them or, or living the life that you had before. So it's like you have to to realize when this is, is something that's getting out of control. So if you can put a kind of time box everything, it's, it's going to help. For sure, for sure. So yeah, time boxing is one of those things that's really hard, but it, it will serve you well. It, yeah, eventually just lands up being the right thing to do. Exactly. So the question for you, man, there's um this whole pandemic is just... There's a few businesses that have just skyrocketed in demand and you happen to be in the middle of one of them. Yes. How are you handling the stress, the workload, uh, and everything associated with, uh, and for the folks who don't know, you work at Instacart, which is a grocery delivery service. Um, how are you handling this? And, and, and you know, if I don't know if you can talk to it, but like, how are you and your team handling uh, the the additional stress of, of working through this pandemic? Because at this point in time, not only you guys, I mean, I'd even say you guys are even more than essential. You're more than an essential service. Like you're helping people stay alive. Like it, this is, your company is like more important than, than ever. And uh, how are you guys doing that? Our shoppers who basically are the folks who go to the grocery store buy the items and then actually deliver it to uh, the customers, to you and me. They're like, you know, true heroes here because they're they are. really braving the risk. They're doing this, you know, and making a living for their family at this time while at the same time helping and like, you know, making such a huge difference. So I'm extremely grateful I get to witness all of this. Uh, I will say this, our demand has like grown crazy and like you can see yeah. this. Obviously, I can't like share like precise numbers, mm-hmm. but it has gone crazy and obviously... It, it is one of those times where you start to see what scale can really do, right? Things like, and we, we were a pretty big company to begin with, right? Like, I, especially these days, like we're we're all over the US, we're in Canada as well. Scale is something that's crazy where it just like thrashes you and like within two to three days, because if, if folks remember the whole pandemic being announced and the shelter in place. Was it instantaneously? When it came down, like the axe came down fast. Right? Yeah. Within like one day, like governors all over were like, yep, you can't go out, only essential stuff, right? Uh, and also there's like the fear, like people don't understand what's happening. Like, you know, what are like, what is the healthy hygiene? None of this was available. So instantly, like, you know, it the scale that we had to deal with was like pretty tricky and a lot of our services you know there were times where like you know we had trouble with our back-end services and like the scale and like we noticed things that otherwise wouldn't be big issues we had to like work around the clock yeah and this is like one of those times where like you know it, it yeah you can say you know what this is life i'm gonna work my nine to five but also you tend to realize like given like this uh context that i've given there are people right now who are like i can't get my groceries right because of like food yeah yeah a food or like you know i have a shopper who's like shopping and they're like i'm looking to deliver this uh you know this big order from costco and like extremely important thing to like an old person who's waiting right because of a bug that you have in the app that tends to weigh really heavy and so because of that do you want to like take advantage of like this privileged position you're in to help Mm -hmm. uh, and really work it so it's it's been crazy man i'll, I'll tell you that like it is <laughs> it is both exciting but also like s- s- scarily crazy 
because of like all the things that go- that are going around right like we don't even know how long this pandemic is going to last right we don't have no. a sense it's going to like they announced recently it's going to be at least till the end of april at a bare minimum and realistically a lot of the experts in the field are saying this is going to like go for longer it is crazy it is like super crazy uh anyway sorry that was a very long answer and yeah no, it, were there any like specific questions around that that you wanted to like ask uh that's a good question i mean the the scale thing is the interesting thing i think when a lot of you know a lot, a lot of tech folks might find it interesting of like um like you said you went from just kind of regular traffic to instantaneous just like holy cow overload and i think what a lot of app devs you know especially native app devs don't realize is that like okay your app doesn't really suffer the consequences of that except for latency factors from the backend services so the funny thing is and that's like the typical thing right obviously like in terms of working as a mobile developer it doesn't matter as much but there were instances where the scale grew so big that it started to matter right yeah. we had certain features that we were piloting right that went like all in uh because it would help with uh, a lot of these things like where we have contactless delivery or like you know we have uh abilities to like help shoppers deliver without like uh any contact we were piloting these features but they became crucial right and in some of these services what happens is you hit the server it's so funny because when typically when you work and you deliver features and you know this right as pragmatic engineers sometimes you don't tend to think about scale as much right because if you're a mobile engineer and you're like eh, yeah this could be better but this will work for now right if it's yep. a big payload that you need to parse like a huge json payload that you need to parse eh doesn't matter that much right at scale though i ran into at least two situations where we had to push urgent fixes in the app because the app almost started like ddosing our server right it yeah. ended up being effectively ddosing our server because the scale is just like so massive so as mobile developers there's still like a huge sort of uh role you can play in helping with these things because in the end you're hitting network requests right any load you can do to intelligently help with that stuff it like matters a lot it does and i mean again i can't part with numbers but i can tell you some interesting sort of anecdotes that should like give folks an idea of like the scale right uh instacart like i think like on ios and on android like we became one of the top we were the 10th like most popular free app yeah. and you know that's it may not be like a big thing but you know it's a big thing i've been there i know what it's like <laughs> <laughs> there were certain internal charts like in our like dashboard metrics where we had to change the y axis yes, <laughs> because yes, it's been, yes. <laughs> been there been there so it is extremely exciting but also that's the kind of scale and that can take you down really fast you know mm-hmm. and it's all like fun and glory when you see the numbers going up but when things go wrong that's that many thousands of people who are having a problem because of like you know a bug that you introduced so and it's it's funny it's, like this is The, what you're exactly explaining is the reason why this podcast exists. It's that talk that I get that I gave about Android from the trenches. It's everything from the scale and that's the one you watched and then like why you reached out to me and why we're on this podcast together today and mm-hmm. it's like now it's funny what 5 years later you're in that exact situation that I was in when I wrote, when I wrote that talk. And right, right. It, you're right. Like you will see things at scale that you had no idea. And, and at the time, this is, what, five, shoot, I don't know, six, seven years ago uh, when I was at Groupon, we, again, we're sending JSON down. And at the time, this is a long time ago, we were sending over 10 to 20,000 lines of JSON per request. <laughs> right, right. And so it's like a huge JSON payload that was like, would come down. And like you said, it was like killing the server. 
And so we had to like introduce (laughs) some kind of like filtering and like almost like GraphQL like type of uh, implementation to say, hey, I only need these five fields. And then instead of 10,000 lines, I got would get 500 lines of JSON of what I needed. And it would like reduce the load on the server and everything across the wire and we weren't DDoSing anything. So same exact problems. So many similar, like similar things, right? Like even if it's not related to our application, like logging, analytics, yeah. metrics, mm-hmm. those things at a certain point, you know, when you're working on a small feature, like, eh, yeah, it's, it, it'll be helpful like to have this like in the analytics. So like, you know, we add analytics or, you know, even your logging. We've, because we've had so many shoppers and new like uh, people joining the platform, some of these folks don't have like great devices. One of the devices internally we hate in like the well, uh, sort of Android depart- department. I'm waiting well, for it. There's like plenty of Samsung ones. <laughs> but oh, even, <laughs> even like the Samsung ones, like there's this one specific LG device. It's called the LG Stylo 4. Uh-huh. And to this day, I don't know there's like a lot of people, I think it is a pretty cheap device, right? And like the funny thing we noticed is because we were like not like optimizing for like these small devices, we started to notice that like we would get a huge bunch of out of memory errors. Oh, and you no. weren't doing any, anything like necessarily wrong. We were just like handling a lot of data, right? Like with the databases and stuff. Uh, it, we just, and it's so crazy because at scale, all of this matters, right? And we have a lot of folks, like a lot of shoppers who, you know, use like a second device or like have like this Android, like cheap device that they use like for shopping. In all those cases, it, you have to like optimize for this, right? And it's so crazy how like we start to notice like things like that. And even like at scale, some of our third-party services, we started like hitting like the ceiling of those bills, right? Yeah. Then that starts to become really expensive, you know? Uh, So it's all kinds of problems. So then you have to like dive into the client and see like, look, do you really need this, right? Either you like start to pay way more money in terms of like the bills you pay or, and in many of these, like the way it works with big companies, right? You actually have contracts with uh, a lot of these providers and it isn't necessarily just about price, but it's also, you have agreements because they have to host services, right? Like they have, like they have to use like an AWS or something mm-hmm. in the background and they only account for a certain amount of load. When you oh, yeah. when you start to ramp their loads, you will take their services down, right? Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's crazy. It's just so many sort of like related things that otherwise you would never think to worry about that you have to really start worrying about now so it, it, it is exhilarating but also really scary in some ways you know it's fun when like you're going up on the roller coaster and like you're taking down but when you're starting to go through those loops that's when like you start to get really queasy <laughs> the loops. it's been a roller coaster i think that's just the way to like sum it up yeah i can only imagine i have uh i've used instacart locally um a couple of times and uh the last time i was able to use it was about two weeks ago ever since then i haven't been able to get a delivery time every time i check there come there's just none left yeah it's um, been slammed but I, I will tell you my colleagues have been working like crazy so now typically in the mornings if like folks uh check you can probably get it in a week and like even a week right now is crazy like which we've, yeah it is insane that we're able to like manage to get it within a week even now given the demand but yeah, I mean, it has been great. Typically, like, you know, we try to get it within an hour or two hours, right? That's, <laughs> but that's, I guess, what a pandemic can yeah, do. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, how busy it was. I remember when I, I, I first fired it up a few weeks ago and it's like, you know, I, I knew that the delivery window is usually two hours. I'm like, yeah, sure. And then like I ordered it and I'm like, the time came that day. And I'm like, why isn't Instacart showing up? And I'm like, what's going on? And I checked the app and I'm like, oh, it's for next 
Wednesday, not this Wednesday. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, holy cow, it's like super crazy busy. But, you know, what I would like to say, and you've already said, is like I am super grateful for the, for the folks that are going out there and, and doing the shopping and doing that. So it's um, – I can't say thanks enough. And, and when I did use the app, you know, like, you know, I, you know, double tripled my, my tip amount and everything. And like, it's just, it's an appreciation I show for the folks that are, that are doing that for us. You're a good man, sir. <laughs> I I did one, but I know like folks also have like other questions. So uh, the most common one I think we're going to get is like, did you do anything to tweak your setup? You already have like a stellar working from home setup. So I, don't imagine but is there any tips you have along uh those lines oh yeah the one thing i recommend for uh, this is all exercise related like get up and move uh once an hour at least uh if you can if you have like a a mantle or a fireplace walk over there set your laptop there, stand up and work for a little while uh go go for a walk walk around your like your neighborhood a lot of people don't think about this but like uh walking is one of the most underutilized exercises out there um Go for a walk. If you can, go for walk for an hour if you can, uh, if if you're able to. It's just going to help you um, overall. I, I know that you're probably not going to be able to order a, a standing desk right now. Uh, so <laughs> kind of like make your own. If you have an end table somewhere, to be honest, for the first three years, my standing desk was an Ikea end table that I set my laptop on top of. Uh, on top oh, yeah, of my desk. Yeah. Yeah. Do and, it yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did for three years. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, it was easy for me to to take it down and and put it up to 20 seconds, if that. Um, so so do that, you know, just you want to move around a lot. And uh, if you can, and just don't sit there in one place all day and uh, and get some sun, really. That's also something else I'd like to recommend. <laughs> what standing desk do you use right now? Um, I have two. When I'm normally at my office, uh, which I do have an office outside of my house, I have an Ikea Bacant. Um which is kind of just cheap. Uh, it works. Uh, and then I have at my home, I have an autonomous AI desk. Which oh, wow. You, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, which is actually really cheap. Uh, it's just one of the smaller ones and it has memory settings on it. Um, there's huh. so many out there that you can use, um, but those are the ones I use. Nice, nice. Yeah. I have the Jarvis Bamboo. That's yes, one I ordered sometime back. that's the back. one. That's the, the jam right there. Yeah, I love this desk, especially now. Uh, typically, I haven't used it as much, uh, but these days I almost have it primarily in standing mode. Standing right now, yeah, <laughs> you know? Uh, and it's, it, like you said, you know, just the standing and sitting, especially when you're working from home, cooped up in a single room, like within four walls, it really helps to get that movement in there. Yeah. And one of the other things too, is if you're also standing, uh, if you can, uh, find like a, uh, like a chair or something that's, I don't know, 20 inches off the floor or more, uh-huh. and then put it next to you and then put one foot up on it. Think of the guy, the guy from, uh, the Captain Morgan commercials who's standing on a barrel. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Like stand like Captain <laughs> Morgan, like that and switch your feet every once in a while. What you'll notice is like, you kind of like, you relieve some pressure off of your, your hip flexors and everything when you do that and, and switch to the other foot, oh. do the same thing that our foot. And if you can even get it up even higher. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just like really like I'll put something on top of a chair like a, I don't know something else and really get my foot elevated high and just like get myself into a stretch while I'm standing there. Stand like Morgan. That's it. Uh, yeah. uh, Captain Morgan. That's the tip I remember. Yeah. Yeah. You see, these are the kind of things like I've never thought. Oh, I did realize 
standing here uh i you know, a lot of people have like a foot mat or something yeah and i realized i left my foot mat at work so i can't go into work and get it now but oh. yeah it's one of those things right i've i've if you have a yoga mat or something lying around just something and this is also a really good tip i'll, I'll remember to do this i didn't even think about this one but yeah just leaving some pressure off your hip flexors uh stanley captain morgan if you uh for the for the mats <laughs> that's i'm glad you brought that up i actually use a special mat that i i always forget about it's called a uh ergo driven topo mat t-o-p-o oh and uh, you can we'll add a link to the show notes for that but it's a it's uh-huh. ergo so e-r-g-o driven d-r-i-v-e-n ergo driven topo t-o-p-o and it has um it's like a anti-fatigue mat you can stand on it but in the middle it's got like this little uh piece if you stand there um barefoot or with socks on or whatever mm-hmm. um it has these ridges and like peaks and valleys on it on the corners where you can put yourself into like a quad stretch or like a um um you can you know massage the bottom of your foot with the peaks and valleys of the the different parts of the ridges of the of the mat itself or you can just stand on it flat um so it kind of gives you a bunch of different options which is really nice Wow. Okay. That's, that's good to know as well. Thank you for mentioning that. that I've, I'll, Again, I'll add this in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah. Probably completely sold out right now, but hey. yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> everything is. No, but I think this is just a good opportunity, right? I think more companies now are going to get into the habit of working from home or at least mm-hmm. feeling comfortable with having their employees work from home. And I think, you know, this is definitely one of those things that I think is be- going to become a practice and a lot of people are going to realize how much more time they get with their family and can like, stay oh back gosh, yeah. that a lot of people are going to want to work from home so i think these tips even if right now may not be the best time to like get your setup up and going uh it's good tips nonetheless this is kind of like being you know you're you're jumping in with both feet like you have no choice but to adapt um and again as we i stated earlier find yourself getting disciplined with time set some time that you're going to do something. If it's when you're going to quit, when you're going to work out, when you're going to wake up, when you're going to take a shower, when you're going to do all those things, set those times. It doesn't matter if it's setting a reminder on your calendar, on your computer, your phone, whatever, do it and stick to it. There's going to be times when you feel like I want to keep going. It happens to me every single day. There's, <laughs> I, I feel that way like, oh my God, I want to keep going. But I have to tell myself to stop because if I don't, one day is going to turn into two, two is going to turn into four. And then before you know it, I'm burned out in a few weeks. Oh, for sure. I believe that. Yeah. Anyway, Don, I think we are uh, coming to the end of this episode. Definitely. Thank you for your tips. I might keep like bugging you as we go through like our next episodes. I might like throw in a question or here or there uh, just because I think a lot of folks are learning these new ways like me. And we'd love to like hear more about that stuff. Definitely. Yeah. If anyone has any questions, feel free to hit us up both on uh, on Twitter. Uh, if you have any questions about how to manage anything around remote working, if it's just time management, if it's mental capacity, if it's just mental health, anything, but, uh, feel free to reach out. I'll, I'll do the best I can to help. And where can folks reach you at, Don? Uh, the best way is either through um, Twitter or Instagram. Same handle, just Don Felker with two N's. What about you, Kaushik? How can they get a hold of you? Uh, I am Kaushik Gopal on Twitter, and that's usually the best way. Otherwise, my website is just K-A-U-S-H dot C-O, and you can find a bunch of ways to reach me there. Sounds good. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode. I'd like to take this chance and thank the sponsor for this episode, Educative.io. There are a lot of websites out there that offer programming courses, but Educative.io has a really special text-based interface that helps folks learn faster and more efficiently. 
check out the very new course they have for Android developers called Modern Android App Development. If you use the special link we have here, educative.io slash fragmented, then you get an additional 10% off your purchase. So remember to use that special link. Once again, it's educative.io slash fragmented. Thanks again for sponsoring the show. That's it for the show, folks. Fragmented is hosted by Don Felker and me, Kaushik Gopal. We edit and produce all the episodes here on Fragmented. Sarah the Amazing Jackson from the Spec Network helps with production assistance and wraps our final mix. Our theme and ad music is by the national recording artist Blueprint from Weightless Recordings. You can find more Fragmented episodes at fragmentedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.